So, imagination. Our imagination, it runs wild all the time at differing times. I mean, maybe it's in traffic, and all of a sudden that person in front of us slams on the brakes, and we slam on the brakes, and we see the big old truck in the background, and we're hoping they slam on the brakes, and thankfully they do, and tragedy is averted. But then our minds, our imagination starts to run wild, and we think about the what-ifs. Or, you know, we, we buy a lottery ticket, 7-Eleven, and we get, I don't know, how many numbers are there, like five or six or seven, I don't know, what it, but let's say we get like, you know, three out of those six numbers in our imagination, we've already started purchasing the boat. We've already started thinking about how we would spend that money. Oh, I was so close. And it's good for our imagination to run wild, but I'm going to ask us to let our imagination run wild in a different way this morning. So just take a minute and imagine with me. Imagine walking in a confidence that's unshakable, knowing that God is guiding your life, your every step. Imagine seeing what God is doing and hearing from him. Imagine having the security of not second-guessing every decision that we make, wondering if you did the right thing, but knowing that God's got your back. Imagine knowing God's will and walking in it. Imagine knowing peace and confidence and joy and rest because you know God's will. And here's the great part. This just doesn't have to be an imagination. This is what God wants for us. He wants us to know his will, to walk in his will, to see what he's doing, to be a part of what he's doing, to hear his voice to be led by him. He desires it more than you do. And I know that we desire it. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 real quick, verses 9 through 14. It says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words spoken to us by the Spirit, given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. People who don't have the Spirit of God living within them can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual, who's walking in God's spirit, can understand what the spirit means. That, that's a big chunk, but it's a very insightful chunk. Our ways are not God's ways. 
And for us to know God's ways, we've got to draw near to the Lord so that the Holy Spirit can unpack those things to us. Maybe before you gave your life to Christ and trusted in him, you opened up the Bible and you tried to read it and you just couldn't connect the dots. And that makes perfect sense after reading this. Because God's ways are not our ways and the Bible is not literature, okay? It is not Tom Sawyer. It is not Huck Finn. It is not Little Women, okay? The Bible is not literature. The Bible is the word of God. And God's desire is to speak through, through his word, through the Bible, to us. But without the Holy Spirit to guide us and explain these mysteries to us, it could just go right over our heads. It just doesn't land in our heart the way that it does once we've trusted in him and we have the Holy Spirit within us and the Holy Spirit says, hey, let me unpack that for you. I remember when our kids were younger and I believe it was Jordan that asked about like hearing from God. Like, Dad, how do you hear from God? I said, well, let's open up the Bible. So I opened up to Romans because that's my favorite book in the Bible. And I said, well, let's just, let's just read something and let's ask the Lord to, to speak to you through his words. We prayed, we asked the Lord to speak, we read. And I said, what is the Lord speaking to you in this? And he said that, that I'm to be kind to my sisters. And I'm like, okay, let's read this again, because I didn't see that in, in, anywhere in there. And we read it again. I said, but that's what you feel like God was speaking in that. And he's like, yeah. I said, that's because God was speaking from you. Even though that's not what we read, that openness and, and, and the Lord's presence in his word, he started speaking, unpacking that truth and having it make sense to him. God is desperate to speak to us, you guys. Hearing from God is all about the Holy Spirit giving us spiritual understanding. You guys, who truly knows what, what you need to live a life that's fulfilling? God. Now we have a glimpse and we have a hope. There are things that we hope for. We go, if I had this, my life would be fulfilling. If I had this better job, or if I had a boss that wasn't a jerk, or if I had, you know, a bigger home or if I had uh, a boat because I was so close on the lottery ticket, so close. If I had these things, I'd be fulfilled. But God truly knows. And hearing from God is about yielding those expectations of what we think is best regardless of what it is, whether it's about us or whether it's about someone else. But yielding those expectations and saying, God, you know what's best would you, would you give me a glimpse of what's best? Would you show me what's best? Would you show me what your will is? In John 14, 6, Jesus said this. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So can, we, can, we, uh, can you repeat after me as I read this? Jesus said, I am the way, am the way. and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did Jesus say, I'll show you the way in this passage? No. Did he say, I'll drop a pin for you? I'll give you a map? Did he say, I'll tell you which direction to head? Jesus said, I 
am the way. And Jesus knows the way because Jesus is your way. We're going to read about some some men and women in, in the word um, who walked by faith and walked in obedience to the Lord and accepted the call of the Lord. And I want us to just have ears to hear um, some commonalities among these calls of the Lord. So Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred, which is your people, leave your people and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. How specific were God's instructions to Abram? How many steps? Maybe that's a better question. How many steps did God give Abram in his command? One. Leave. His instruction was go. You got it, Lord. I'll I'll go anywhere. Where do you want me to go, Lord? Go. Go to the land that I'll show you. Fantastic, Lord. I'm all about it. Where's the land? I got to know which direction to go, right? I need to know, do I go north, east, west, southwest? Lord, where am I, where am I going? Go. I'll show you. Once we put our faith into action, God can direct us. If we're supposed to be going that way, we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to walk by faith and we're going this way. Then we're moving and our faith is already activated. And it's easy for the Lord to go, actually hang a hard right. Yep, that's the right direction. I want you to go there because our faith is already in action. But when we're defiant, and it's a battle of the wills, our will versus God's will, and we're asking for more steps, or we're asking for more security, or we're asking for more instruction, we're not going to lose that battle of the wills. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. A pastor friend of mine, uh, Daniel Grothy, was one of the pastors uh, at New Life Church in Colorado Springs. Uh, he told me this recently, and, and at first I kind of, hmm? and then he unpacked it. And, and he said, I love the Lord's Prayer, but there's one part of the Lord's Prayer that I just don't like. I don't like it one bit. And then he proceeded to, to quote it, and we know it is in Matthew 6, 9 through 11. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And this is the part that he just did not like. Give us this day our daily bread. And he proceeded to tell me, he goes, I I am responsible with God's resources, including time. And I am very well organized. And I have strong administrative skills. And I manage time well, not just my time, but I manage others' times well. And I'm good with resources and I'm good with money. And, you know, I really would prefer God to give me a month's worth of daily bread. Because I think I could manage it really well. And I think, you know, I would really enjoy having that much leeway. And, and then he kind of smiled and kind of winked and, you know, the point was made. God's not going to give us a month's worth of daily bread. The children of Israel, they were given manna 
to eat, and that manna, when did it expire? How long, what was the shelf life on that manna? 24 hours a day. You couldn't stockpile it. If you stockpiled it and you ate it, you got sick. Why? Because this is not about religion. This is about relationship. And God wants us going to him daily. That's trust. That's trust. He wants us to to go to him and receive his provision of all that he knows we need daily. In Daniel's scenario, my friend that was talking about going to the Lord and give me the 30-day supply, he'd only have to go to the Lord, what? 12 times a year. Is that what we want? Hey, Lord, just, just give me what I need when I need it, Lord, and, and I'll call on you a month from now. All of us, in our hearts, we're saying no, but all of us at times, we, we treat the Lord in this way. God wants us. We were created for fellowship with God. Matthew 6, 31 and 30 through 34 says this. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious saying, what can we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I I was going to read this in another translation because I thought I'd get distracted and and comment on how sufficient for the day uh, is its own trouble sounded very Yoda-like, right? Like imagine that in Yoda's voice. I'm not going to try it because I don't think I do a good Yoda. Um, but sufficient for the day, its own trouble is. Yeah. But thankfully, I didn't get distracted and do that. Yeah. Anxious for tomorrow. If we're with him, if, if we are with the most secure, the, the, the very epitome of security, God. We're not going to be anxious for tomorrow. If we're beside the one who created the day, we're not going to be anxious. But if he's over here and we're over here and we're so distracted doing all these things, he's like, hey, be with me. And I can see that being a recipe for anxiety. And we've all been there. We all do that. Let's imagine again with the same words that I spoke before. Imagine a God that's completely trustworthy. Friends, he is. Now imagine you completely trusting him. Completely trusting him. What area do you, do you have off to the side that you say, Lord, I, you're so faithful in all these areas, but Lord... I've got to be strong in this one. This is my responsibility. This is my task. This is, Lord, you've asked this of me. And so you can be strong in all these areas, but I've got to be strong in this one. That is bull. That is, that is not truth. 
Everything we have is his. Every weakness we have is his. Every concern or, or flaw, the heavy things, they're his. Imagine agreeing with God about his plan instead of you asking God to agree with your plan. Well, I, I need to know your plan, Lord. I need to agree with your plan, Lord. I, I don't just want to ask you to buy into my plan. Lord, what are your thoughts? What are your ways? What is your plan? Imagine following God even when his way isn't completely spelled out for you. Imagine taking that, that step of faith and saying, Lord, if you say go, I'll go. If you say turn, I'll turn. If you say stop, I'll stop. Lord, if you say rest, I'll rest. Lord, if you say speak, I'll speak. Imagine Jesus being your way. Not just showing you the way, being your way. And if you're with him, then you know you're good. Because he's your way. And so wherever he's going, you're going the right way. I made a graphic and I want to, if we can pull that up. Can you imagine making this your prayer? Jesus, you are my way. I will come to you. I don't need a map. I need you. I will follow you even if I don't know the way. Most of us aren't comfortable with that prayer. But we should be because he is completely and wholly trustworthy. Well, I don't need a map. I just need you. Lord, you're my way. John 15, 5 says this. I'm the vine. This is Jesus speaking. He goes, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Whoever abides in me, remains in me, lives in me, and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus just called you out. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me, you will have life. And I'll remain in you. Apart from me, you're going to fail. Apart from me, it's going to overwhelm you. Apart from me, it's going to be too much. Apart from me, no, remain in me. So check out these detailed instructions that Jesus gave to those who would become his disciples, okay? So uh, Matthew 4, 18 through 20. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Oh, uh, what's, a, what's a fisher of men, Jesus? Jesus? He's, he's walking. He's not stopping. Andrew, what's a fisher of men? What about the times that the Lord gives us an instruction and we say, clarify yourself, Lord. Clarify yourself so I can understand before I proceed. That doesn't make any sense to me. Lord, what do you mean? I don't even know. That phrase, you just made that up, Lord fisher of men which he did it wasn't a thing until Jesus made it a thing we ask the Lord to explain himself to validate himself 
before we trust him. Okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm totally going to trust you. I'm going to trust you completely. But help me understand this first. Like, explain that for me. That's not faith. But we do it all the time, you guys. Just follow. This bit of instruction that that Andrew and Peter got, that's the most of any of the disciples. Just spoiler alert, okay? Uh, John and James didn't even get that. Uh, Still in Matthew 4, verse 21. And going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother uh, John, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. What, what did that call look like? I imagine it being like a whistle. I can't do the whistle where you just kind of curl your, and it, yeah, you know, like the, like the real sharp thing, like if you do like the, you know, the fingers there. and Yeah. Like, did he do that? Or was it like, hey? It just says he called them. And they stopped what they're doing. They left the family business and followed him. Matthew got a a whopping two words, as we see in Matthew 9, 9. And Jesus passed on from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. How many words are you expecting? How, How many words are you expecting from God in his call to you to follow? Will we follow in faith? How much instruction do you require from God before you'll wholeheartedly follow him? You guys, if we spend much time together, you're going you're gonna to hear this phrase come out of my mouth often. Oh, that's interesting. What did God think about that? What? Well, you just told me what you thought about. You just told me about your job. You just told me about your boss. What does God think about that? What does God think about your job? What does God think about your boss? Have you asked God what he thinks about this? About, because that's a good question. I love a good question. That's a good question. What does God think about this? Well, I don't know. Why not? Well, I haven't asked him. Why not? Are you kidding me? We go about our day and we don't ask God's take on, this, on the matter? We don't ask his thoughts or his will? But Mark, I just want to know God's will for my life. I just want to know what's his plan for my life. Isn't that reasonable? I'm sincere and even desperate when I ask God, Lord, what's your plan for my life? But I hear nothing. Anybody ever been there? Lord, I just want to know what your plan is for my life and you hear nothing. You want to know why? You're asking the wrong question. You shouldn't be asking, Lord, what's your plan for my life? You should be asking, Lord, what's your plan? And then when he speaks his plan, you come alongside it. And that's the plan for your life. I'm not being facetious. I'm being completely serious. We are a selfish people at times. And we make things all about us. And God's like, it ain't about you. 
Friends, you want to know what the plan for your life is? Find out God's plan and just come alongside of Him. When I moved to Colorado, I, I knew one, I had one friend, and he had a girlfriend, and so Friday nights, he, was, he had dates, he was out, tried to sit me up with this one girl. It was a, like, it, I'm like, dude, don't ever do that again. Don't ever do that again. Oof. So he didn't, and he went on his dates. So I just took a look and said, oh, what's the Lord doing at this church? And he was feeding the, the, the people who lived over on Colfax in the apartments and, you know, living there, you know, paying, you know, by the night or by the week. And, and there was a chef there at Heritage Christian Center that would make a big old pot of soup, and there was... We'd go into the coat closet and grab all these jackets that had been donated for children and young people and grab just bags of candy and we'd load it up in a van and we'd go on to Colfax and go door to door. Say, hey, my name is Mark. You know, this is my friend so-and-so. We're Christians. We're here to pray for you. Jesus loves you and he cares and, and we'd love to pray with you. But hey, by the way, also, if you haven't eaten dinner yet, we got delicious soup down. That's what I had for dinner. It was awesome. We got soup. We got candy for the kids. We got coats, jackets if you need them. But we also, we want to pray for you. What do you, what do you need from the Lord? How can we pray for you? I just found out what the Lord was doing and I just jumped in. There was a Christmas play. I'm like, oh, I like standing in front of people. I'll be in the Christmas play. I just saw what the Lord was doing and I just jumped in. And you know what's crazy? Is that introduction, the next time I was at the the door-to-door evangelism, hi, my name is Mark and these are my friends, Kara and Jenny, and we're Christians. And there was this girl named Kara Johnston that also was seeing what the Lord was about. And she started coming to this door-to-door street ministry. And then in the Christmas play, that same Kara Johnston was in the play. And... I didn't seek out these things because this good-looking, amazing young lady, Kara, was there. I, I did these things because I, I'm like, what's the Lord doing? And I just want to jump into what you're doing. And then he provided my wife for me, which was a desire of my heart. But I first made it about his will. I first looked to what is he doing? And I did his will. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you is what we read in Matthew 6.33. God, what's your plan? God, what's your plan? Lord Jesus, all I need to know is your plan. Once you and I know God's will, then we adjust our lives to him. Once we know what God is doing, then I know what I need to do. Once I know what God's doing, I know what I need to do. Join him. Join him. Mark, you're oversimplifying it. I'm not. The devil's trying to confuse it. The devil's trying to complicate it. The devil's trying to make it about you. He likes it when we make things about us. Are you guys hearing me? Are we together on this? This is truth. This isn't my truth. This is his truth. We don't, get to, we don't have our own truths. God has his truth. Either we agree or we don't. The focus needs to be on God and not on you. The focus needs to be on God and not on me or our lives. When we want to know how 
to walk in the will of God. When we want to know how to know the will of God, we can find no better model than who? Jesus. During his 33 years on earth, he perfectly completed every assignment God gave him. In his 33 years on earth, he lived life perfectly and did not sin. He never failed to do the will of the Father. So if we want an example, Jesus is our example. You guys want to know how how Jesus came to know and do the will of the Father? He tells us in John 5, 17, but Jesus answered them, my Father is working until now and I am working. Verse 19, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord. This is Jesus talking. The Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. And John 5, 19 through 20, that is powerful. Only what he sees the Father doing, for whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. The Father loves the Son and shows him all he is doing uh, that he himself is doing. I see what the Father is doing and I do it. That's what Jesus said. What's interesting, I mean, it's it's very interesting to me that Jesus isn't saying, hey, I ask the Father what he wants me to do and I obey and I listen. He says, I I ask the Father to show me what he's doing. I see what he's doing. And I do it. According to Jesus himself, how much could he do outside, apart from the Father? How much could he do? Nothing. He said nothing. The Son can do nothing outside the Father. This is Jesus talking. Maybe we should keep that in mind the next time we try and do something without Jesus. What does the Son of God do? He does what he sees the Father doing. So if I, let's see, I can't really pop it out. I got a little eye pen in here. Eye pencil, whatever. Oh, hold on. It's got a little thing in the back. (laughs) I beat you. All right. So if, if you want to see what I'm doing, what I'm writing, what I'm drawing. If you want to see what I'm doing, how close do you have to get? I mean, can you see from there? It's a bad perspective. It's a bad angle. Can you, can you see now? Friends, if we want to see what God is up to, we've got to draw close. We're told in Scripture, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. What's the key here? Draw close enough to God that we see what he's doing. You guys, Jesus is our example. And scripture lays it out there for us. It says that the Father's been working right up until now. 
And then Jesus says, now God has me working. He says, I can't do anything of my own initiative. I watch to see what the Father is doing. And then Jesus says, I do what I see the Father is already doing. And then he makes this incredible statement. The Father loves me. The Father loves me as he's there observing what the Father's doing. It's not without the recognition that, oh, my Father loves me. And that's why he's showing me what he's doing. That's why he's including me in his plan. So friends, I'm going to pause here for a second because I know we're hungry to hear from God. And I'm telling you, this is key. Get super, get annoyingly close. Get um, boundary breaking close to God. And in that place, see what he's up to and do the same. If you see that he's feeding people who live in the hotels on Colfax and going and knocking on the door, which you're totally not comfortable with any of that I've said, then that's what we do. We go to Colfax and we, we see what the Lord's doing and, and we jump in and we're a part of what he's doing. The Father loves me. So he shows me everything that he himself is doing. And then Jesus says, I join him. It's just laid out there and I just join him. God doesn't have any secrets from us. He has surprises. Surprises are usually pretty good. Secrets, not so much. God doesn't keep any secrets from us. Draw close and I'll show you what I'm up to. You want to know what I'm doing? It's not a secret. He's not keeping a secret from you. He's not hiding his voice from us. You, you want to see what I'm up to? Come here. Dad, do you ever up there you know, working on your car? And, and your child says, hey, Dad, what you doing? And you, you know, turn over a milk crate or a Home Depot bucket. And say, come on up. I'll show you. I'll show you. This is what I'm doing. Or you're at the computer. What are you doing? Oh, come here. I'll show you. This is called a pie chart. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The, the kid just wants to be near you. The kid just wants to be a part of what you're doing. Friends, we've got to be desperate to be a part of what God is doing. You guys, this, this message today is not meant to be a step-by-step approach. Okay, Mark, can you repeat those again? Number one, the Father has been working up till now. Number one, okay, I've got that. Number two, now God has me working. This isn't a step-by-step formula. The formula doesn't do it. The being close to God does it. And that description that Jesus gave us, it's a loving relationship in which God's purpose is achieved. By Jesus drawing near to the Father, coming to him and seeing what he's doing, the will of God is accomplished. What was was the will of God for Christ? To seek and save the lost. God desires that not one would be lost, not one, but that all would know him. Jesus accomplished what he did because he sought the will of the Father. summed up as simply as this. Watch to see where God is working and join him. And the fact is God is working all around us. What's crazy is this. In the midst of Christians like being desperate to hear from God, 
sometimes it's tough for us to recognize him and what he's doing. And I, I believe here's why. We try and recognize it from a distance. We, we try and recognize it on our terms. Lord, I'm just, I'm going to open up your scripture and I'm going to spend an hour with you and I'm going to read your word. And, and what if he goes, hey, hey, actually, I want you to worship me. I want you to exalt me. I was at the preschool today. I was in, or, or this week I was in the office. And, uh, and I knew, looked at the time and I knew I didn't have much time to be like really productive for whatever that stretch was. So I made a decision and I pulled up YouTube and I pulled up a song. I ended up sending it to Jordan um, and I, it was a worship song. And I just stood there in my seat and I just started worshiping and tears just were flowing down my cheek. And then after that song, it was on autoplay. So I went to the next song and the next song. I just took about 12, 13 minutes right there in that desk. Preschool's going on, lots of stuff going on around me. And I just worshiped him and and tears just ran down my cheeks. And and I I was just aware that God just wanted to just refresh my soul. He just wanted to refresh my soul. It It wasn't about anything that he wanted me to do for him. He just wanted to, to wash me, to refresh me. Draw near to him and see what he's up to and then just jump in. And if it's been in an hour in scripture, great. But if it's worshiping him, do it. If it's, if it's walking and listening, do it. If it's, if it's reading one verse and just meditating on that one verse and saying, Holy Spirit, unpack this one verse to me. Just see what he's doing and join in. Is it praying for someone who's had a really rough week? I'm not good at praying. That's, that's all right. Do it anyway. It's even, it's really special that way. It's really special if you just aren't any good at praying, which I don't even know if that person exists. I'm just letting you know. I think everybody has, is really good at praying. It's just got to be practiced. But it's really special when someone goes, hey, I'm not real comfortable with this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And let me just pray for you. And that's incredibly valuable. Imagine with me one last time. But as we imagine this time, imagine yourself coming beside Jesus, standing next to the Father. Oh, look next to him. There's the Holy Spirit. You just saddling up to God. Now imagine walking in confidence. Oh, yeah. When I'm with my Father, when I'm with the Son, when I'm with the Holy Spirit, I can walk in confidence. No place I'd rather be. So just imagine yourself next to Him. Imagine seeing what God is doing. Imagine being so close that even if He were to whisper it, hearing what He's saying and jumping in in that place of just being right next to God. Imagine having the security of not second-guessing every decision, wondering if you did the right thing. But I'm telling you, in His presence, there's fullness of joy. And in His presence, there's fullness of peace. And if He moves, you move. And if He stops, you stop. Just stay with Him. Imagine knowing God's will and walking in it.
imagine knowing peace and confidence and joy because you know God's will. So here's really good news, guys. Really good news. You're getting closer. Even just by being here right now, you're, you're getting closer. You're being equipped with tools and, and with knowledge spoken by a spiritual source. Not me. Not me. I read that first passage by the Holy Spirit. And said, oh, I received that. I believe that. That makes sense to me. That resonates in my soul. Lord, that is truth. I, I agree. And when we agree, we come alongside. Friends, God is active in your life. And he's all around you. He's all around us. And he's given us eyes to see, to recognize. And he's calling us to come alongside of him. Let's pray. Lord, please help me to recognize where you are working. And let me have the wisdom and the faith to join in with you in your work. Give me eyes to see what you're doing so I can know what your will is. And I will do it. Lord, I declare that your will for my life is simply your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have a stack of those of books called Experiencing God. Um, actually, somebody with a key to the office, could you go grab that stack so that we can like make these available? So um, we have... We have these books, and if you don't have one yet, and, and if, if you can afford one, buy one. If you can't afford one, take one, okay? Because we've actually had some people give towards, say, hey, I, I want to make sure that people who can't afford it can have, have a book. So um, if, you would, if you would follow these, like they're, they're simple, like two-page daily lessons that are wonderful. And the book is called Experiencing God, and it's amazing. And I promise you, if you will just do this with the Lord, you will experience growth and, and the Holy Spirit will just bring truth to some things that you'd never even thought of before. So um, I'm just going to, I'm going to have the books stacked right over on this, right over here. Um, and like I said, uh, if you can't afford it, just take one. You're good. And if you can afford it, they're, they're about 21 bucks. So there's an offering basket near the bear painting over there. Can you set these right here, my friends? Thank you, Kim. Yes, yes. All right. Thank you so much. Um, and here's the thing. Do I mean that? I think I mean that. All right, let me say it. If I don't mean it, I'll, I'll circle back. Don't take one if you're not going to do anything with it. Don't take one if it's just going to sit in your office or, or sit on your desk. But if something is stirring within you, that's the Holy Spirit. And grab one and start today. October 1st, man. First day of a new month. And I'm telling you, it'll, it'll bring change to your life. Wonderful change. So um, I'll leave us with this blessing. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. 
Have an amazing day. I'm excited for next week. Andy's going to be uh, preaching on this same uh, subject of, of hearing from God. Um, we got TK, Terry Kruger with us in two weeks. It's a good month. So um, love you all. Have a great day.